0: Good morning, witches. We are coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana, with host Tanya Brown. This is The Daily Witch, your daily podcast to keep you up to date on headlines, entertainment news, book releases, witch fails, daily magic, and more. Our 20-minute episodes recorded each morning give you a little bite of magic to keep you informed and inspired for your day. Good morning, it is October 20th, 2019. It is Sunday. I am Tanya, and this is your Daily Witch. Um, Today, we are lucky to be uh, joined with guest Alexandra Holzer. Uh, She's joining us to talk about her father, Hans Holzer, and his work, her new show, The Holzer Files, and how the paranormal has changed in the past few decades. Well, not paranormal, like paranormal investigation. So yeah, we're going to get into that a little later into the episode. So our quote of the day is, In all of my years of ghost hunting, I have never been afraid. After all, a ghost is only a fellow human being in trouble. By Hans Holzer. So we have no new headlines today, so we are going to move right into some moon stuff. The moon is illuminated 61%, and according to AstroSeek.com, it is currently in cancer. You are feeling safety is now related to your home, family, and similar activities, such as cooking and gardening. You may be prone to emotional fluctuations. You should learn to forgive and forget in order to avoid depression from thinking too much about things. Your perception of the world can be very subjective. Try to create a certain distance without being bitter due to your rich, emotional manifestation. You can create some real sense of belonging in the world. So what it sounds like AstroSeek is telling us here is because the moon is in cancer and cancer is typically a very emotional, um, sign that your emotions are going to be a little all over the place, a little fluctuating. And you're going to want to take advantage of being in the home in that safety net of things that make you feel warm and comfy because with the moon in cancer, you may be prone to letting your emotions kind of rule you. So little heads up, the moon will be in cancer for about two more days, I believe. So we have a special segment today. We're talking with author, ghost hunter, and TV star, Alexandra Holzer, emerging publicly onto the paranormal scene in early 2005 as a writer first and foremost. Author and paranormalist, Alexandra Holzer has also appeared on numerous film documentaries. She has a show, The Holzer Files, on the Travel Channel. I met Alexandra when she contacted me about sharing the legacy of her late father Hans Holzer. Hans Holzer was a groundbreaking paranormal investigator. He was a Wiccan and was the inspiration for the film Ghostbusters. I personally have been a huge fan of this family for many years now and talking to Alexandra today is a huge treat. So for anyone new to our podcast, we are a 20 minute ish podcast. So our interviews go a little differently. I'm going to give Alexandra the opportunity to answer two full questions and then a few rapid-fire questions, the goodness of a full interview, but a little more fun. So, hi Alexandra, how are you today?
1: Good, Tanya, how are you?
0: I'm well, it's finally not sweltering here in New Orleans, (laughs) I'm so happy. Um, How are you? Where are you located?
1: So I am in New York. Uh, technically, we say upstate, but we're really downstate. So I'm about an hour outside of Manhattan in the mountains. So you've always been in New York, right? I'm a New Yorker. Still a New yeah. Yorker. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: so I'm going to ask you our first full question, and then we'll go into a few rapid fire, and then we'll finish it with a full question if you're ready. I'm ready. All right. So our first full question... Uh, you're carrying on your father's legacy and that has seemed to have been a large part of your mission from when we first spoke. I could tell that was something that just really was important to you. If someone here doesn't know of him, what is uh, first and foremost what you want people to know about him and his work?
1: Okay. Well, uh, my father, Dr. Hans Holzer was a parapsychologist and uh, he came from Vienna, Austria And he came to uh, the States before the war had hit. And uh, he was a skeptic journalist first and foremost. And he, you know, he always was born into this where no matter what I think he tried to do in life, he couldn't escape the fact that he was going to become who he was. And so when he published his first book in 1963, The Ghost Hunter, that really opened up the opportunity for people to understand what happens when we die and what does that mean? And so working with mediums like Eileen Garrett, who met him at a swanky Manhattan party one night and said, Hans, you know, you know, I don't do Irish. I can do the, the accent with my father. who <laughs> sounds like count Dracula, but she was Irish. So I don't do that. But she said, you need, you need to, to put this in a book, you know? And um, he didn't think about that, but he was a prolific author Um, investigator, you know, he just, he wrote music for Off-Broadway. He was a creative as well. So it's kind of hard to explain to him, you know, to the audience and to people who don't know who he is. He was a little bit of everything um, compared to what we've seen over the past decade on TV um, and so forth. He wasn't your traditional investigator. He was kind of like a rogue investigator. So he was around in the actually late 1930s and early 40s. And really started to get going into the late 50s and 60s, where he was also a warlock. He um, practiced the craft and was indoctrinated. And we have this huge scroll, you know, that we had found. So it's, it's, he's fascinating. And so here we are today. And it's a very popular subject, the paranormal. And it's very trendy. And, and there's a lot of interest in it. More so with social media, I think, and the curiosities there. And it's okay to talk about it. You know, when he he came around, it was very taboo. You know, people say, Hans, I think I have a ghost. But they would be like, you know, shh, shh. So <laughs> we've come a long way.
0: Yeah, we really have. Um, what would you say, and this isn't prepared, but what would you say are some of his bigger cases that people may recognize?
1: Well, we always get pointed to Amityville Horror because it became a bunch of movies. Um, His part in that was the research of the DeFeo case as a paranormal investigator, as a researcher, and as a a scientist and academic, where he would choose his medium in tow for the case, and he chose Ethel Johnson Mayers for that one. This tiny little seasoned woman (laughs) that had her own backstory, you know, and um, a lot of people know about that. But um, he had so many and I think the great thing about the Holzer Files, um, which is airing actually the third episode, um, which is tonight, Thursday, October 17th, on the Travel Channel is that you get to get a taste and a glimpse to the past of how he did his work. So um, there's a lot of big cases and this show is going to bring that out, I believe, because you know, Amityville, Amityville, but there were so many cases that were just so phenomenally scary. And then he was completely cool about it. He he never, nothing phased him. So, uh, Oceanborn Mary was an amazing case. Uh, Jumel Mansion, which had just aired, uh, a lot of people have investigated there before. But you know, he went there before all of that. And the same thing with the Whaley House, another big one. You know, he put these places that are now turned museums, obviously, since then, uh, they were already in that process, but more so today with ghost hunts. He put them on the map as these notorious haunted locations with real purpose and history. And then it wasn't a joke that there was a lot of things going on there still. Uh,
0: so are you ready for our rapid fire? These It moves kind of quick, as yeah. quick as we let it. All right. <laughs> So um, how would you say has the culture around the paranormal changed in the, last few, uh, in the last few decades?
1: Well, you know, we have a lot of influences online. You know, the Internet has created um, the ability for lots of groups and organizations to show their own footage, their own cases, their own investigations. And then you have this fascination, which I believe is is climbing if you go and you look on all these channels that we watch now with apps um murder crime you know it's it's there's a lot going on and the energies have shifted and changed and i think we're just more aware of it because it's in our face constantly it's in the papers it's in the movies it's on tv it's this it's that and so i think there's just more out there and bringing about more awareness to people so i think it's changed because of that i mean before we had the internet. You know, if you look how my father investigated, there was no way to know about the locations with mediums in tow, and they could not be told anything. And they just got in the car and went to the location. Um, You know, nowadays, it's really hard to show that because there's access. We have access and and you have to really try to believe what they're saying versus what's going on. And and how do you validate that? Just like if you see uh, a ghost photo online. Or or footage. It's phenomenal. You might say, oh, my God, that looks so real. It's got to be. But you're not there. You don't know. You don't know what the climate was. You don't know the environment. You don't know who did what, how they did it. And so you have to be really careful, I think, more so now than back in my father's time, where it was a more controlled way to do research and investigations i'm not saying you can't have a hoax you know we've, we've got you know in the past they call them charlatans and so mm-hmm. forth and people looking for for notoriety or whatever but you know that's the way of the world you know but uh i think back then it was just a lot more easier to have less contamination to really see and hear and feel the evidence and and the possibility that we're not going to one place or another place that there's there's really layers and levels to it. And to think that there's nothing else, you know, I think is pretentious that people Mm -hmm. need to just be more open and aware. So I think we're at a place now where it's just a constant cycle. It's a constant interest, whether it's a negative remark on the subject matter or not, you still have conversations that are continuing on it. So
0: what do you tell people who approach you who are skeptics?
1: Well, you know, I believe a healthy skeptic is a good skeptic. I don't poo-poo it. I don't get all my knickers in the knot, although I am a fiery person. I am an Aries, so.
0: <gasps> me too. Ah! woo Yes, Aries for the win.
1: I'm telling you. I'm <laughs> telling you, you know, and then with me also being from New York, it's a really bad combination, but <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, you know, when somebody, you know, says something, that's negative towards the field or my father or me or whatever you know i don't care because it doesn't impact my life my day-to-day of what's important and i think you can be a healthy skeptic and a healthy believer and the two of you should meet in the middle to agree to disagree the old adage of of we're going back to, to the terminology agree to disagree
0: um what would you say is the most impactful spirit experience you've had
1: I would say, you know, I've been in locations, I've been to large environments, I've been to people's homes, I've walked through properties, and things have happened, I felt things, or I've seen things, or I've ha- I've started to hear things, which is clairaudiency, you know, um, I've experienced all those things, and, and in the moment, it affects you, and you think, you know, but really, the most... M- I'd say monumental moment was when my aunt had passed away. I was in my early twenties. I was starting out having the children. I was a different person. I was like Betty Crocker with the, the Oak picket fence, not white, which is falling (laughs) apart at this point. Can I tell you, we've been here forever. Oy vey. But um, she, I never lost friends in school. We had one kid die young in high school in Manhattan. I didn't really connect to that. I just felt weird going to the services and, and that there's a body in the casket and and that was just so wrong. It was just felt horrible. But when my mother's sister had passed, um something happened, something changed. And it's not a haunting. It's it was a visitation from her because when she was dying, she had muttered a few words to me. She was supposed to be in a coma at that point, she had cancer. It was a rare form of lymphoma. And she said I'm changing and I didn't know at that time I was busy with, you know, at that time I only had two kids cause now I have six and um, I, I was too preoccupied with the the new baby and we're, we're trying to visit her in uh, Queens, New York where she was living and I didn't get it. And then it took me probably a couple of months after and she had already passed to understand that what she was saying was she's changing. She's, she's got one foot in the life that she's leaving and then the other one is in the afterlife of where she's going. It's a more a metamorphosis of, of transitioning because you know you're dying. Because she knew. And um, then it just continued from there. She contacted me at my house. And this is a story I told years and years and years ago. Um, where I'm folding laundry, doing what I do. And I heard her in my ear. And she said, I love you. Like, like a quick whisper. Because she couldn't say that when she was dying. And that's something we've always was important to say when we would talk to each other on the phone. You know, she was a graphic designer and head of the art department for Newsweek for a very long time. My whole family, very amazing, all of them and very close to my father as well. She dated my father, another story for another time. Oh, <laughs> That's how my parents met through so my It was great. But oh. that feeling was, it was, you know, and her, and her services were just, I, I knew she was there and I didn't know what to do with that, that, that emotion. Because I, I couldn't turn around and say, "Muie's here. She's, she's right behind me. I, I know it, I could feel it, but I could see it. You know it's you know, I'm worried about the kids, and here we are in this environment. And so that's part of the paranormal. We, we seem to forget that we're so busy in life, and when we lose somebody close to us, we don't really stop. We're so, we're so busy grieving. So that was the most sca- moving and scary moment for me, because then I realized. My father was really on to something, even though I had my own experiences. I had lots of things happen to me, but as you get older and you hit your twenties, versus you know, you know, you're eight and ten years old, your teens, and you hit your twenties, you're a different person again. I had to accept what was happening and process it and realize, oh my God, she went somewhere, but I can't physically see her right now, but she's here. That changed it for me. I, when I was younger, I used to think he was full of crap because you know (laughs) he he was in the heightened moment of his time and so I mean he was when I was born he was 51 years old so he was already into the career and into all this and noted and well known you know I think I just didn't take him seriously enough as a young kid um and so I'd kind of eyeball it but I really never not believed him because he would have people come over. He would have witches come over, like real practicing witches, you know, and just all sorts of characters. And I, and I just kind of, I knew. Intuitively, I knew that there was something going on in my home environment. And so I never really thought it was anything not real. I just was too young to put it together.
0: How is one way you are similar to your father, but one way that you are different?
1: I'm very similar to him because I do share many of the same beliefs on how you run an investigation, how you deal with people, who you choose to to work with and why, what the findings are and and, and creating theories off of that. So I'm a lot like him, you know, with the work ethic and how he works with people and and how he chooses people. And sometimes they come to him, you know, Um, I just I really am a hardcore holzer. But how I'm different is, well, you know, not, you know, in case you notice, I'm a woman. So and there, there's a difference, you know, and it's it's not a, a, a gender debate or anything. It has to do with that. You know, I'm a little bit more empathetic and intuitive and able to wear two different hats where in, later in life for him, he was able to be more open and aware and he became more intuitive. We all are. It's just a question of how closed off we are. And where we are, that number line, you know, that, that pain line that you have in the hospital, how much pain are you feeling? Zero to ten. <laughs> the, the face is getting worse and worse. Um, you know, I just, I'm a different personality than him. Um, I think I'm funnier than him. There was always that. But I just have a different approach in a lot of ways. I'm a little bit more gentler. But then, like him, I can be very strict and sturgeon and saying, this is how it needs to be done and here's why.
0: Um, So, you do have a new show on the Travel Channel called The Holzer Files, and that's super exciting. Um, So, what can you tell our listeners about the show?
1: Um, So, the idea was to take some of my father's archival footage off the reel-to-reels and display them for people to actually experience what it was like in a time that we didn't exist in and or for those who already know of my father and been longtime fans and supporters and have even met him at conferences and so forth uh, to revisit a time where they once were in as well Uh, and uh, it's amazing because you're really not gonna have that displayed anywhere else right now so the show incorporates you know his work and the cases that he did and also the similar casework that can be incorporated elsewhere. That was exactly what his findings were because a lot of times throughout the world, you can have the same situation that he already investigated somewhere else. You know what I mean? They can run parallel. Mm -hmm. So it's very diversified in that sense. And, um, so it's, it's really cool to have that, you know, in there because it is a reality show. And so, um, it's just, to me, really great. And for the children to, to you know, get to see Grandpa again, because he used to be on TV a lot, and he's done talk shows, and, but to, to have these films come to life, for, to share to, for everybody who's interested in learning about who he was, and who he still is, because he's still around.
0: The whole world can really get an in-depth look um, at, you know, what your father accomplished, and, you know... Um, what he's done so I think I I don't know I just wanted to say congratulations because I know this has been something that's been really important to you for a while
1: I appreciate that I think um, there's a lot of people that don't know that when they tune into the show and and they read up on the the information on it and they see you know how it is but you know this is not anything new on at least on, on the Holzer end because you know we've been at it for a long time and we mean meaning me, my sister is not part of it, you know, um but she's excited for me and for the family and our father. you know, my mother is I mean you know so it is it's a it's a haunted family affair, and it's very personal, and there's only so much you can show in a in, in a TV show like that there's just so it's just such a huge undertaking, and it's a great um starting point to to educate people on his work, his body of work, who he is, what he stood for. And, you know, what's there today? So I think, you know, going back to a location that somebody like him went to 50 years ago, like tonight's episode, for instance, you know, and then going back and reinvestigating it is is amazing, you know, because you're comparing notes, you know, from, from a different time. And it's like being in school and, and taking history and learning about your forefathers before you and who did what and compare it to those same types of people who have the active roles Today. (laughs) And I can't wait
0: to watch and I can't wait to watch the episode tonight. Um we are recording this is um on Thursday, um October seventeenth. So I can't wait to watch uh your episode tonight and all that. Um so we're gonna let you go. thank you so much for joining us um today. And I know everyone really, really appreciates the whole thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The whole holzer thing is the whole thing. The bunch of stuff. Well I you know I love you you know i love you and i support what you're doing i think what you've created is phenomenal you can
0: learn more about alexandra at her site alexandraholzer.com um if you are fascinated by hans holzer's work uh the cases he investigated um everything from hauntings to witches to esp he has a whole array of books on amazon check them out uh I don't think there's really been anyone in history who has put so much dedication into studying um, this field. So yeah, check it out. Our question of the day comes to us from Bron. Bron basically just asked our opinion about spirit boards. So I decided to... Take advantage of us having an expert available, and we let Miss Holzer answer this question for us. So, speaking about um, the occult, uh, Ah. we do have a question of the day, and I I didn't know if maybe you would want to help us answer it. Uh, Spirit boards, what's your take?
1: Ah, the talking board, the Ouija. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, I've like I've said before, you know, you could take a piece of paper and you could write the letters and the numbers out and and get a glass. And as long as you have enough energy on that, uh, you know, object to move to the to the words, you can always make your own spirit board because it's really not the board, is it? It's about the energy that's looking to communicate to whomever, whatever is around you because it's constant. That's the mistake I think a lot of people are, are making when they just do this to see or, or to be fun. I get it. Thanks to Parker Brothers, it's cool. It's, a, you know, like a game, but it's really not, you know. It's, it's a tool. It's another tool. So it's no different than a, a medium allowing him or herself to, to allow the entity in question to encompass their entire body and take over, you know, it's the same thing. I personally... I get it. And I know if you're with the right people and energies and you you try to protect your circle and you're aware of how to do it properly um, and you've taken every precaution, you know, you're still opening up and inviting the possibility of something something else stronger than who you're trying to talk to uh, coming in and taking over. And then, you know, it might, you know, create an attachment. It might create an aftermath. You don't know. So you really have to be around the right people and to know what you're doing. And even then you're kind of dabbling but I understand the curiosity, you know, and, um, but it's, it's definitely, I, I try to tell people go towards using ESP. Of course, mm. Dan wrote a book on ESP as well. I mean, ESP is really kind of in connection to the talking board because a lot of your thoughts and what you're thinking as the words are being spelled out are coming out of your heads. If you ever notice, if you do a few of these sessions and you're thinking to contact, um, you know, let's say you've lost um, a friend, and her name is Jenny, and you knew all things about Jenny, because you guys were so close, and you're thinking about her, and you're trying to bring her in the safe space to communicate and see if she's okay, because you miss her, and all your information is flooding through your mind, that can easily be pushed out onto your talking board, and being spelled out like, oh my god, it's her, how how could she, how could they know this information? Because it's coming from you, mm-hmm. it's like transmuting, so it really has to be looked at in that way if you're really going to do it seriously and not just for fun
0: um, yeah uh, it's so funny that you brought that up because I know that is a very popular school of thought when it comes to divination and I haven't heard many other people mention it but the idea of that no matter what divination you're doing pendulum or Ouija or cards it's not so much the spirit doing the thing but you acting as a medium and taking in the information and then like micro movements that you actually do it so we are wrapping up this episode of The Daily Witch, um, a throwback to our quote of the day. In all of my years of ghost hunting, I have never been afraid. After all, a ghost is only a fellow human being in trouble. By Hans Holzer. So Miss Bridget is our giveaway winner this week to win a copy of Olive e. Blake's new book, La Petite Moore. She left us a review on our iTunes, and that was our condition for entering this week. It'll change next week. She says, a must listen. I absolutely love The Daily Witch. This is one of my favorite podcasts and the one I truly must listen to daily. Each episode is ripe with information. My nine-year-old son listens along during our daily work commute and will even put on prior unlistened to episodes so we can catch up. Even though I've previously recorded a Pagan Children podcast for many years, getting to listen to another witchy adult is refreshing, and the content sparks great conversation with my son. Thank you so much, Bridget, for your kind review and for entering our giveaway. We'll have a new giveaway tomorrow morning. And yeah, so if you would like to uh, hear the full interview with me and Ms. Holzer, it's about 40 minutes and video recorded. You can see my interrupting dog bark many a times during our interview. Miss Holzer and I talk about uh, the wonderful meeting ground between science and spirits. And you can watch me maybe almost burn down the house. Uh, The full unedited um, video interview is on our Patreon page. So head on over there to watch it. Patreon.com slash The Daily Witch. I hope you guys have a great Sunday. I will talk to you tomorrow morning. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you have any witch tips, questions, witch fails, or you know of news we missed, please email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Have a day filled with magic and inspiration. And we will talk again tomorrow morning. It's funny. I remember uh, you and I spoke a few years ago and we talked about your dad. And ever since then, like, well, you know, afterwards I did a bunch of research and I found out, like, all the stuff he had done and all this. And so, like, ever since then, I'm such an advocate for, like, like, your dad. And whenever anyone mentions something that, like, I know he did, but it gets, like, credited towards maybe someone else, I'm always that person who goes, wait, no, no. (laughs)
1: like wait a minute. It
0: a, it, wait a minute. Like no. <laughs> like I'm like I've become such a huge fan like of your dad and um and his work. So that's one reason I'm really really excited to um be talking to you and all that. So